Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is the Chris and Amy show right here on KMOX. Michael Kelly filling in for Chris Ranji. And really honored to have in the studio with us today, Dr. Claire Martin. She's the assistant professor in the counseling department at Webster University. And it's the holiday season. And for so many of us, there are moments of joy. It's filled with joy. And for so many of us, there are moments of sadness or loss or heartbreak. And to discuss what we can term the holiday blues, although each of us feels it in a different way, um, is Dr. Martin. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Okay. The holiday blues, how prevalent is it, do you think, in our society? Well, it has, um, studies have shown that out of um, three people, two people will experience the holiday blues, especially if they've had experienced depression before, they're more likely to experience holiday blues, which is like this depression that they tend to feel around the holidays. Um, A study by, a poll done by the American Psychiatric Association last year showed that 31% of people, which is one out of three people, reported that they will experience like higher level of stress, especially around the sun. For it to be considered like holiday blues or partly depression, does it have to be constant or can it be moments of sadness? It can be moments of sadness, but for it to be considered like holiday blues, it needs to happen around the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And to differentiate it from the clinically depressing um, symptoms that people typically have if they suffer from clinical depression. So how do we identify uh, holiday de blues inside of loved ones and what should we do to be helpful to them? Okay. So some of the symptoms to watch out for, they might be socially isolated more often than usual. You may find that they are more anxious, like, and the anxiety can show up by binge eating or not eating, mm-hmm. or they may have, like, physical symptoms, like, if it's a child, they might have, like, stomach stomach ache. Um, they might feel, like, very lethargic, like, not wanting to do anything anymore, like, staying home, sluggish. Um, they may have, like, headaches. Um, they may even have, like, some suicidal thoughts. All those studies show that it's typically not the, around this time, it's not high, but you never, like, once in a while, you, people may have that. I, it, Christmas and the holidays, there's so much forced um, happiness, right? You mm-hmm. turn on TV, mm-hmm. every yeah. kiss begins with K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's all this happiness and there's all this love. And for many people, yeah, we've all maybe had a good Christmas or two, and that's yeah. what we're reflective of. But maybe we're a widow. Maybe we're single. Maybe we've gone through the pandemic and are getting a divorce. Yeah. Uh, loved ones will recognize in each other, but what do I do? What do I do as a loved one when I see those blues emerge in my loved one, whether it be my kid, my mother, my grandparent? Mm-hmm. What actions can I take to be helpful to them? The first thing is asking them. Asking them, like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling more depressed than usual? Um 
what um, is the holiday getting on your skin, under your skin? Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty much it's like creating the space to talk about it. That's where it starts. And also continue to monitor it because you want to make sure that this is not clinical depression that's going to be long-term ongoing. And if that's the case, then referring them for help because there's help, like look for professional help, look for a counselor, for a psychologist, and have them have that assessment to see what's going on. Is it beyond the holiday blues? What if you perhaps don't feel that you have a, you, you don't feel depressed, you don't have a depression, but you have moments where something hits you, you've lost a loved one, um, friends who've lost a child. And obviously at Christmas, you're going to have memories of that time with your parent or with your child that you don't have anymore. In order to nip it in the bud Uh and, and not become something that can become a depression, what can you do? Like if I have that feeling, what could I do to help prevent it from becoming a depression? First is being real with yourself, like acknowledging that, yes, I lost someone and I need to grieve. So giving your space the the time to grieve, seeking help, reaching out for people. And as friends of the person who might be depressed, reaching out for them, encouraging, like checking in on them. Um, if you're the one who's having those symptoms, like make it a point like to take care of yourself Um like, don't give up on your routine. Like, around the holidays, people tend to, the first thing that they tend to give up on is, like, things that are personal, like their self-care, mm-hmm. eating well, sleeping well, exercising. So they tend to give up on those. So maybe, like, be more intentional about the fact that during the holiday, this will happen. So, therefore, I would be more intentional about keeping those up. Is there some degree of sadness and melancholy that's going to come with the holidays? Because... Um, you know, there's a lot of forced happiness, if you will, yeah. uh, over time. But I mean, it, it is that something that we should acknowledge as well? Is that it's not going to be all rosy and happy? Exactly. Well, first, there's the financial burden of mm-hmm. there's a lot of expectations made around the holidays, like you have to provide gifts, and you may not have the financial means. There's also like visiting family, and sometimes it's not the most pleasant thing, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's great connecting with family, but sometimes it brings bad memories as well. So you have to make acknowledging that it's okay to say no sometimes. You don't have to say yes to everything. Um, so creating those kind of, I'll, I'll call them boundaries, mm-hmm. like knowing like your limits and saying, well, it's okay not to do it the same way. The holiday doesn't have to be the same way all the time. What about reaching out to people? Who you think might be hurting. I know one thing that I've struggled with is if I know someone who has lost a child or a spouse or a parent, you want to reach out and show them that you love them. But you also you don't want to intrude. You start to feel self-conscious like, oh, I I, I don't want to make it worse. Would you suggest? Nope. Reach out. Send a note. Send a text. Make a phone call. Do you think that's pretty much always a good idea? It's better to reach out. Yeah. Because you never know what the, the state of the person it might be mm-hmm. in. Um, maybe nobody else re- have reached out to them. It may be that all they need is someone to hear a familiar voice, someone who cares about them. Sometimes yeah. I'll say in a text, I'll start it with no need to respond. Yes, yes. Because you don't want to add a burden of exactly. them having So I just say no need to respond. I just want you to know this. Exactly. Yeah. 
Does, uh, is there different uh, depressions going to manifest uh, as it relates to adults till children? You know, we think of holidays being so fun for yeah. kids. Yeah. But for many of them, it may be coming home from school or whatever yeah. that they, you know, and now they're caught up in all this happiness. What What's the difference in depression that we'll see from adults to children and how do we address it? Yes. Um, for adults, it may um, show up just like what, what I mentioned before, like the melancholy, um, the feeling irritable, like not their habits has changed, will be changing. For the children, that can be similar too. You may find them to be like much more anxious like having physical symptoms, having more tantrums than usual. With children, what's different is they may not recognize that's what's happening and they may not verbalize it because there's this conflicted feeling of this is a happy time. I'm supposed to be grateful that I'm, because I'm going to get gifts and there's the house is um, it's decorated and we're meeting families and I'm supposed to be happy. And they have those internal feelings of anxiety that they may not be willing to share with their parents. Mm-hmm. So that means... As parents, you have to be more intentional about assessing like the status, the mental status of your child and asking them. What What can you do in terms of when you're reaching out to that person? I'm a single person. I'm <laughs> single by choice. I yeah. love it. But yeah. uh, at the same time, I have to tell you, this time of year is tough yes. because everything's about love and happiness and giving gifts, etc. What kind of words or ideas can be used with people to kind of say, hey, the new year's coming. We're almost through this. How do you coax somebody through it that this too shall pass? Um, just talking to them about um, maybe even reflecting on what they've accomplished during the year um, and feeling gratitude towards things that they can be grateful for and knowing that, yes, this is like temporary. The holiday will pass. And we will have like another another year to create newer goals and to work on. Some some people may say, hey, this is just the holiday blues. But other loved ones may say, hey there, Billy, you've been dealing with this well before the holidays. How can people get into counseling? You know, I, I, in my own experience, when you call the insurance company, you're on a three-month wait. Uh, many counselors only take cash. Yeah. Um, how do we kind of get people to that place to understand that this is the way that you ought to go, some type of counseling, some type of talk therapy. Yeah. So um, going to your insurance is actually a great idea. Um, but unfortunately, because of the there's a higher need for mental health services than there are services, there's going to be a wait list. Um, other options could be um, calling 988, which is a crisis hotline where you can get someone on the phone, like talking to you right away. You can talk, you can chat uh, via text. So that's an option. Or you can have like a, a buddy, like a buddy system to hold you accountable. Like, okay, that person's going to check on me. We're going to talk. We're going to, they're going to ask me, have I checked? Um, did you eat? Did you eat? <laughs> Are you drinking Sleeping. too much? Yes. Are you yeah. drinking too much? Because we have to recognize that mm-hmm. alcohol around the holiday, it's very, people tend to go towards alcohol and it is a depressant. Um, so checking, talking to your friends about to that to that person about um, their lifestyle, how that has changed, and encourage them like saying like, "Hey, this is not the norm. You've been like this for a long time. This might be more serious than a holiday." With before we let you go, what do you want people to know? Just in your experience um, as a counselor teaching at universities, what mm-hmm. do you wish more people knew? Um, that it can happen to anyone. 
not only those who have had depression or anxiety before, but those are more, it's more prevalent in that population. However, it can happen to anyone, to adults, to children, um, to pay attention to how you're changing around the how the, um, you're changing around the holidays mm-hmm. and what um, who is your support system, and also paying attention to your self care um, so that you don't burn out because there's a lot of demand put on individuals around the holiday. So be real with yourself in terms of like your limits and what can you do and what can you not do, and be okay with not being able to do everything mm-hmm. that people expect you to do. She is Dr. Claire Martin, the assistant professor in the counseling department at Webster University with great information. Um, Thank you so much, Dr. Martin. We really appreciate your time this morning. I know it's a busy season, so we appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. He's Michael Kelly. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. AMOX. Hey, hey, it's Michael Kelly sitting in with Amy Marks. Course, hey, Chris Rangia, he'll be back maybe after the first of the year. Is he coming back tomorrow? I don't know when he's coming back. No, he's coming back Wednesday. Who you got tomorrow? Brad so, Young, hairstyle Fisher, and Young. Yeah, no, Michael Sean Kelly. You know, Amy, I really am grateful that you had um, the Doctor uh, Martin in from Webster to talk about depression because I, I you. Well documented, you know. I've talked about it. I've dealt with depression my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, two thoughts: number one, I wish I could have had this depression that makes you not want to eat, um, because <laughs> I'm usually dealing with my weight, and that was kind of a joke. But the other thing is, is that the holiday time is hard, and you know, it's hard for happy people. It's ha- hard for functioning families. It's hard for folks who are dealing with depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, I call it forced happiness. There's lots of forced things that we're told should be some of the best times. Oh, go look at holiday lights. And, you know, I think about my father at Christmas time. I think about, you know, the fact that I'm single. I, you know, you have access to all these bad uh, vices, particularly around uh, the holidays too. And it kind of just feeds on itself. And so for those of you who are dealing with holiday depression, number one, it's almost over. Uh, Number two, you're not alone. More of us Mm -hmm. than not, uh, even those people who you think are really, really happy uh, are dealing with it as well. And then check in on people. Be extra kind. You know, I always like it when the weatherman says, uh, hey, this is a time to get out there and check on the dogs that are outside. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a time to check on people (laughs) that you love or neighbors that you don't see that often. Because it is a hard time. Mm-hmm. If you're having a hard time with it, just imagine what the widow or the widower or the little lady who lives next door uh, is dealing with. Because she's watching the same commercials that are telling her this would be the happiest yeah. time of your life. And I, I think one of there are two things that I've, I've learned maybe in the past few years, couple of years. One is always reaching out, reaching out always beats not reaching out. And one way that you can reach out without putting any extra pressure on the person that you're reaching out to who may be grieving, who may be suffering is no need to respond. But I just want to let you know, I love you praying for you, you know, in my thoughts, or I'm sorry for your loss, whatever it may be. But I like 
starting with no need to respond. So that way there's no pressure because we all know that weight of getting tons of texts and then you feel guilty if you can't respond to all of them. And so you don't want to take you want to take that off. Another thing, a woman, this is actually of all things, an influencer on Instagram. I know. I know. But she is very open about her struggle with mental health and Mm -hmm. depression. And she said one thing that saves her or saved her in her darkest moments are people who they didn't say, let me know if there's anything to do. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Not that because you always say no. No, I'm fine. Just say, I'm going to bring this by and leave it on your front porch or depending on how well you know the person. I'm going to stop by for 20 minutes and have a cup of hot chocolate or coffee with you. So, again, it depends on your relationship with the person, but don't leave it open-ended. Don't say, let me know if I can do anything. Just say, I'm going to do this. Yeah, and I, I I get that's a way of acknowledging to people, you know, the, hey, let me know. But, I mean, or when somebody dies, you mm-hmm. know, hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Have you ever called anybody no. and said, hey, hey, you know, remember when you told me this, that, or the other? The other thing is invite people to do things. Yeah. Um, so many people are alone on Christmas. Maybe you've got a big family. Um, maybe you're not too thrilled about going to it. Say, hey, look, my friend's in from out of town. They don't have family. Let's take them with us. And then Keep an eye on your alcohol consumption as well, because alcohol is everywhere, and you mm-hmm. might get drunk. <laughs> we got to transition into this. We're going to talk about drunkenness oh, because you got drunk gosh. this weekend. No, Look, I didn't. I think you said on the Glover show that you've never I've been never drunk. I've never been drunk. I don't buy that. No, I haven't. I don't. That you weigh twelve pounds. You you say you like bourbon. Yeah. So if you've had a glass of bourbon, yeah. And uh, just on your little frame, yeah. Amy, I'm telling you right now, you've been drunk. I, I haven't, and I I can hold my bourbon. And here's the thing, I am uptight. I'm uptight. I just Tyler Tyler is dying, so <laughs> I'm uptight. Okay, I realize this about myself. I'm something of a prude. So part of being prudish mm-hmm. and uptight is I like. For things to be in control. There's a difference. I'm not controlling, but I don't like when things get out of hand. It's why I don't like parties when people get drunk. Uh-huh. I leave when people get drunk really? because I, it stresses me I out when things are out of control. My parties. <laughs> because I, it stresses me out when things are out of control. And so it's why, like, my dad was always very calm, right? Uh-huh. So he never lost his temper. He was always under control. My mom was always very calm. Neither of them, not, neither of them ever lost control of their emotions. They were always united as a parental front and they never, you know, lost control of their emotions, had a temper tantrum. So when I'm out and, I, you know, sometimes you see people get angry and just, you, you know, they just boil over, terrifies me because right. it's out of control. So I say this because being drunk means you're not in complete control and I am a Ugh. firm advocate of being always in complete control. So this was the argument yeah. we had. What does it mean to be drunk? If you feel it at all, like say you say, well, wait a minute. I've had one drink. I don't think I ate enough because it feels a little funny in my head. I'm going to stop. Is that drunk? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I think you've been drunk. Now, listen. I don't uh, think I, I have. I, don't li- I would never want to be drunk. I feel like I've be been drunk, but I'm still in control. Now, let put aside operating automobiles and yeah. that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about, you know, you're in a situation where maybe you have a couple of drinks. Yeah. You're giddy. You're kind of slap happy. But at the same time, you're still in control. I'm like, it's not but like see, I'm going to sit up and just start wailing on I've people. I've never been giddy or slap happy because I don't like to feel it at all. Tyler looks like he's just either not buying this or he can't believe what a loser I am. I am. I 
I, that's why it, I just I, don't, I just don't think it's good to be out of color. So one time, like I can hold my bourbon. I can't. I don't buy that. Here's I why I don't buy that. <laughs> but I mean, because like, listen, if you told me, oh, I'm one of those people who has a beer and I but can I'm handle not. one beer. No, you drink an alcohol that's about sixty percent alcohol, and you're like, oh, I can handle my bourbon. I think you were. Nope. No, I think you were messed up no. and you don't know it. I'm you're waking so... up the next day and you're like, see, I'm so glad I didn't. Nope. Uh, you're giving me whatever. too much credit. I think you equate getting drunk with passing out. No. I think you can be drunk this is... without ever getting delirious. We're continuing this conversation after Matt Polly. We got to talk to Matt Polly first. Maybe we sports can ask fella. him. The sports fella. We, 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 we may have to celebrate with him. He's got something to tell us, doesn't he? <gasps> oh, my gosh. You're right. We'll have yeah. to let him tell us. Michael Kelly, Amy Mark scores on KMOX. Michael Kelly, Amy Mark scores alongside uh-huh. you. And now we are joined by the KMOX sports fella, Matt Polly, sponsored by Renner Garage Door. R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back, family owned and top rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. Matt Polly, how the heck are you? I am doing well. How are you guys? Fabulous. We're doing fabulous. Now, I feel like since I am a faithful follower of your social media, mm-hmm, that ditto. we shouldn't bury the lead here. Yes. Uh, my uh, my wife and I, we officially made the public announcement yesterday that uh, my wife is expecting our uh, our second child. So, uh, Congratulations to the Paulies. Hey, now. Thank you. Goodness gracious. Now, you have one child already, a daughter. How old is she? Uh, she is four. Four. And so, so she's fine. she's able to grasp the concept uh, a little bit that she's going to be a big sister. Yes, she is very uh, – she has no problem grasping uh, this concept. She's very excited. Good for her. That's so fun. Well, congratulations, Matt. I guess now to the sports front. Um, this is apropos of nothing – but uh, obviously, Shohei Otani's contract, $700 million contract, has been in the news, continues to be in the news. And uh, Mason Jar, my fiance, sent me this, uh, I guess it was a tweet earlier today. This is the Dodgers 2040 payroll. The Dodgers 2040 payroll so far is $84 million. They will be paying Freddie Freeman $5 million, and Freddie Freeman will be 50 years old. They will be paying Mookie Betts, who is 47 years old, $11 million. And they will be paying Shohei Otani, who will be 45 years old, 45 years old in 2040, $68 million. That's a, a heck of a future payroll for the Dodgers. Yeah, um, and you know, because of this Otani contract being so big, so many people have really started to take note of the deferred money. Deferred money is something that exists for just about every team in baseball. The Cardinals have certainly uh, deferred their fair share of salary and contracts that they've, uh, that they've given out uh, over time. Uh, a lot of people are, are looking at this and saying that maybe Major League Baseball should step in and say, you know, only this percentage of a total contract is allowed to be deferred or something like that. I don't know. I mean, uh, a dollar tomorrow is not worth the same as a dollar today. So if you're the Players Association, uh, maybe you're a little bit upset that, you know, this looks like this huge contract, but in reality, because of inflation, because the money's not going to be worth as much later on, maybe Otani's not getting paid as much. In fact, like the, the Players Association valued the contract at something like $468 million, something like that, where it's, you know, $700 million uh, in actual value. So 
Uh, there's a lot of financial people who are a lot smarter than me that can talk through this. Uh, my bottom line is I thought the Dodgers were creative in finding a way to get it done. Uh, they put themselves in position to be able to have even more financial flexibility for this year. So I don't have a problem with it. I would probably want to see more teams do it as opposed to less teams do it. And doesn't it, it from Otani's standpoint, isn't him? Isn't that him saying, listen, we'll defer the brunt of my contract so that you can afford other good players so that the 10 years that I'm here, we are guaranteed competitors and I my contract isn't an anchor on the organization? Yeah, absolutely. And he's already making more money in endorsements and other things like that than he's even making. I mean, this is, he could, he could never get paid a dollar for being a major league baseball player again. And he would still be one of the most highly paid players in baseball, just based off endorsements. So he doesn't need the money. So go somewhere where you can win. Well, and Matt, he, he may go down in history as, you know, the number one or number two best baseball player of all time. Uh, I know that it's a fairly fresh contract, but is there any details like coming out like in the contract? Is he going to be required to play both ways, or uh, none of that's been referenced? I don't think I don't think you can put that in a contract. I, I, that would probably go against the the rules of what can be put in a contract. The only the only stipulation that is in there, which is very interesting, is if the uh, controlling owner of the Dodgers or the president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman, if either of them leave their position, he is allowed to opt out of the deal. So he has put something in there. He, he obviously has trust uh, in those two individuals, and he wants to make sure they're around. And from that, you know, if you're Andrew Friedman, that, that's the greatest job security in the history of mankind because all of a sudden the Dodgers say they want to fire him. Well, they fire him knowing that that's going to allow Otani to opt out of contracts. Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, look, like most things in life, the gulf between the rich and the poor seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And that's surely the case with uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees, the coastal teams compared to flyover country. Are we now getting to a serious point inside of Major League Baseball where we're going to have a competition issue because the payrolls are such? I mean, there's so out of control on the coast that a team like Kansas City or Minnesota just can't keep up. I don't think so. And look, there's if you're really smart with money and you've got all the money in the world, you're always going to have an advantage that a Kansas City and a Minnesota don't have. I'm not going to run away from, from that fact. But the bottom line is uh, we have seen teams that don't – You know, Minnesota was just in the playoffs. They just had a, a pretty solid season. Kansas City played in back-to-back World Series not that long ago. Uh, every team in baseball has been a playoff team in the last 10 years or so. So uh, the, the thing about baseball, because, you know, we just saw the Mets spend gobs and gobs and gobs of money like no team ever has before, and they didn't do anything this year. Basically the same sort of thing with the Padres. So there is an advantage to having the money. The, the Mets actually really scare me now because they've got a guy in David Stearns who's running that baseball operation now who's going to be very smart and he's going to spend money the right way, the kind, kind of the way the Dodgers do. The Dodgers are a really, really smart team, and then they've got all the money to go along with it. Uh, but as as long as you continue to have smart people in your organization and, and you know how to draft and develop and do things like that, there's always going to be an opportunity for teams that don't spend as much money as the Mets, as the Dodgers, to be able to have success. Matt, a lot of the focus uh, in this uh, free agency offseason has been around world players. Uh, And I'm not talking about the Latin American players. We've always had the concentration of Latin American and American players playing in Major League Baseball. 
Am I right in thinking that baseball is becoming a bigger world sport and a lot of the names that I'm hearing now are coming from part places outside of Latin America in the United States? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think I still think Latin America is probably the, the number one, you know, importer of, of, of baseball players, for lack of a better term. And that sounds bad the way I just said that, but you understand the point that I'm trying to make. Uh, it is such a big deal there. One of my bucket list items, I've always wanted to go to like the Dominican Republic or Venezuela and go to some of their winter league games. I just hear that the environments for those are, are just absolutely crazy. But are we seeing, you know, I think the World Baseball Classic has put uh, a little bit more of a spotlight on some of these other countries, some of the European countries that are starting to produce uh, more more talent. So, yeah, it's a, a, the WBC and just, um, I, I think the... The fact that I was talking to somebody the other day when I was at the uh, baseball winter meetings, um, I was talking to a guy who takes baseball to Egypt. That's like he takes former Major League Baseball players and runs youth camps in Egypt. And I asked him, who's the favorite player for these Egyptian kids who have never seen baseball before? And he said, it's not a player. It's the team. It's the Yankees. So I think I don't it it probably doesn't really matter where you are in the world. Most places are going to know who the Yankees are and the Internet and YouTube and everything just continues to make this world really a smaller place. Uh, For those Cardinals fans who have followed the career of Matt Carpenter, the Padres dumped him recently and it looks like the Atlanta Braves are probably going to do the same. Yeah. So what I saw this morning is they're set to release him. So, uh, they picked him up in a trade with the Padres where it was a salary dump for the Padres. The Braves took on his salary. They were hopeful that they were going to be able to trade him. Uh, that is not happening, so they are just going to let him go. So now the question is, is he going to get another opportunity or is he going to call it a career? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he, I don't know if he's going to have a major league contract sitting out there for him, but if he does want to try to continue on, I would think some team would be able to offer him a minor league contract with an invite to spring trading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt, uh, this might be the end of the road for Matt Carpenter as far as his Major League Baseball career goes. I mean, it's he was pretty popular for a while as a player. Wasn't that the whole salsa thing with the Cardinals here? Oh, yeah. yeah, huge. And, you know, when he came back to St. Louis for the first time, uh, well, I think it was as a member of the Yankees, it was such a, it was such a big deal, and he was doing press conferences. And uh, you know, he, is, he is a beloved Cardinal, so I'm sure – once his playing career comes to an end, I would assume that we're going to see him in St. Louis a lot doing the, the Budweiser bashes and things. You know, the Cardinals are so good about bringing their alumni in. My, my assumption would be that Matt Carpenter is certainly going to be one of those guys that we see here fairly often. But his career might not be over yet. You know, he's, he's one year removed from a really, really good season. All right, we're visiting with the sports fella right here at KMOX. He's none other than Matt Pauley. And, Matt, I want to switch it up with you. Uh, I was one of those people with a little stung by seeing Craig Berube move on. Uh, boy, but the proof's been in the pudding. Uh, it did something to this team. They've won two in a row. Yeah, that that happens, though. Uh, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of anything. Uh, but go go tra- you know, track back coaching changes in any sport and there's always a bump after a coaching change. It just it just happens. You know, guys feel a little bit more pressure in the locker room. There's a you've got that residue of the good stuff from the last coach plus the good stuff from from the next coach. Uh, you know, let's talk in a month and see what it looks like. And maybe it will look good. Maybe this was a, a, a something that was really uh, was really needed, and, and they're going to kind of take off from here. And if that's the case, good on Doug Armstrong for recognizing that and realizing it. 
but it's going to take a lot more than two games for me to think that there's going to be any lasting change because of the coaching change. And further sports news, Matt, I don't know if you know this, but I'm the assistant to the assistant coach of the Incarnate Word fifth grade boys <laughs> basketball team. I've heard that. Yep. Yeah, I know. Like when Yadier Molina was brought in as an assistant, I feel like a real connection with him. I know how that feels. It was a tough weekend for us. Not going to lie, a couple of games didn't go the way we wanted. We're hoping to rebound after the holidays, right? Come back stronger. But I will say this. By rebounding more, right? By rebounding more. We need to work on rebounds. Yep, yeah. Yeah. But I will say one of the best parts about being the assistant to the assistant coach of fifth grade basketball is just some of the comments that the kids will make. And I heard one. (laughs) It's just low-key, but I think I'm going to start using it. So we had a good rebound or uh, steal. Something happened. I don't know. Our defense did something good. And... You know, everyone's cheering, and I don't know which boy said it, but I heard it just, you know, we were sitting on the bench, and I hear it to the left. The steal happens, everyone cheers, and you hear one of the boys go, thank you for shopping at Schnooks. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like (laughs) that's going to be my new go-to. It's the new mic drop is, thank you for shopping at Schnooks. (laughs) That's good. I think that's that's a good mic drop. Yeah, I like that. That's solid. Yeah. Maybe you guys should do, like, for every game, the best comment coming off the bench and, you know, have some sort of a weekly award for the best the comment. assistant to the assistant could be in charge I of the mean, comment of the week. There are a lot of good what ones. What other tasks do you have? Do you, like, clean the clothes? Or what, um, what does an assistant to the assistant mainly do? Mainly I hold a basketball under my arm. Uh-huh. Like, in the crook of your elbow, yeah. you know. Um, I stand there with the basketball uh-huh. under my arm, which is good. Uh, but there, I mean, it's, it's such a fun age. There was another, in fifth grade, so you can't do a, a press. You can't press until the final two minutes of the second half or on on live balls. You can't press on a dead ball. So we, we're like, you can press. And everyone's yelling, full court press, full court press. And then I hear a couple of kids going, honestly, I don't know what a press is. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's. Sounds like the assistant and the head coach has some work to do over there, Miss. Uh, it's really assistant good. To the assistant. It's just such a real, it's a real age. It's where comments are unfettered and it's just so much fun so anyway the eagles the eagles are going to come back stronger after the new year you're yeah i remember to the i played uh i played jcca basketball growing up yep and uh, i i remember vividly my greatest performance ever uh it was it was fifth grade i believe maybe it was sixth grade it was somewhere in there and i scored 10 points in the first half of a game wow i didn't score in the second half but I never scored in double figures in my life. And I remember it to this day, my 10 point performance in one half of basketball playing great JCCA basketball. It's such a great it's, it's age. Like a, walking LeBron right here on the radio. It is. It's so yeah. much fun. Well, yeah. Matt, Polly, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you. I think one more time before Christmas. Congratulations, right? Matthew. Thank you. Yeah. And congratulations. And you're on thank- tonight, isn't he? He's on what? tonight. Oh, oh my goodness. You on tonight, six to eight? Yes, sports, sports open line. As far as I know, six to eight. I do not believe we have Monday night football. No, we tonight, don't so. because I'm on okay. with you at eight o'clock. So I'll see you tonight. All right, at eight. I'll, I'll see you tonight then. <laughs> and Matt Polly, thank you for shopping at, at Schnooks. Talk to you guys soon. You are now <laughs> you free too. to move about the country. <laughs> He's Michael <laughs> Kelly. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Michael <laughs> Kelly, Amy Mark Scores here with you. We uh. We are getting texts in, and I do want to solicit texts and phone calls. 314-436-7900. That's where you can text us. Someone just texted, 
OMG, LOL, I had a mom and her son in my Uber this weekend, and before he got out, he said, thank you for shopping at Schnucks. Is this the new thing? I don't know. I shop at Schnucks. Does the, <laughs> is there a computer that says that to you or something? There is. I mean, I think when you do the self-checkout. Okay. But for some reason, it's catching on. If this is Gen, like, Alpha, I didn't yeah. even not even Gen Z, but this would be Alpha, I think, fifth grade. I think thank you for shopping at Schnooks is my new like line. I'm gonna That's use the it. New mic I'm going to use it, but I'm going to have to pay attention because I'm at Schnooks a couple times a week and I never hear that other than obviously the checkout people will say to you, hey, thanks for shopping at Schnooks. But I'm do like, you do yeah. self-checkout? I think no, it's the Amy, machine. No, I support the people who are there working and I, I go through and once they start lowering my prices for me to mm-hmm. uh, self-checkout, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do that. Well, I think it's the self-checkout machine and I think that's why we all, why the kids are saying it in the... AI woman's voice. You know, yeah. It's a woman's voice from the machine. Thank you for shopping at Schnucks. Thank Schnucks. you for shopping at Schnucks. I would like the, the that question t-shirt. I usually hear at Schnucks is uh, paper or plastic. Paper or plastic, yeah. What? What is Schnucks' mo- slogan now? It friendliest used, store no, in town. No, it used to be the friendliest store in town. Um, it's something else now. We'll pick you up. No, that's Enterprise. <laughs> The friendliest store in town. Do you remember Schnucks when we were kids? Like up. they had the uh, no that Enterprise uh, yeah. rent a car. But do you remember when we were kids? They used to have the uh, like the train conductor man as mm-hmm. their mascot at Schnucks. Do you know what I'm saying? The little toy soldier. Oh my guy gosh, that I was love the up. toy soldier. And there aren't many trucks with the toy soldier. But every now and then you'll see you'll, it. You'll still see them. And we used to go for breakfast at the one in Cave Springs with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was called, but they had little life-size toy soldiers, and I always thought that was the coolest thing ever, the little Schnucks toy soldier. I loved the Schnucks toy soldier. I'm trying to... I know the Schnucks slogan now is something about, like, it's The friendliest easiest. stores in no, town. No, that was the old one. I think they got rid of it. Uh, it's quick. It's easy. Well... Paper or plastic? <laughs> Paper or plastic. <laughs> At any rate, I think Schnooks has done a, a great job with that. Uh, with, thank with, you for with shopping the, there. Thank you for shopping at Schnooks. yeah. Hey, um, so we've got less than a minute yeah. left. Did you send out Christmas cards this year? Okay. If you can text in or call in at this as well, 314-436-7900. When I was a teenager, when I was a kid, all the way through my teens, I think we got 100, maybe 200 Christmas cards. You'd get a basket, you'd put it on the counter, right. and fill them up with all the Christmas cards from your friends. I think we get four, Yep, maybe. Not many. And it's mainly the people who uh, have kids who are sending you their their stuff. Actually, we, we're going to recap the show when we come back mm. at the stop of the hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'd have times for people to call in and talk about, do, are you still getting Christmas, Christmas cards? cards? Are you doing them? I quit it. I cut it out of my business. It was money that I could save. Nobody seems to miss it. I do love when they come and I get to see pictures of my friends' kids, though. Yeah, it's fun. And also, I have strong feelings about the family newsletters. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> 314-436-7900 Christmas cards. Do you send them? Do you receive them? Do you do the newsletter? This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.